Are you a victim crippled by the minotaur in the labyrinth of your mind? Or will you fight your biggest challenges like Theseus and fulfill your potential? My name is Zulfakar and welcome to the Minotaur's Maze. Welcome to the Minotaur's Maze. My guest today is Sean Malone, who is the CSO and co-founder of the Sales Ascenders. Sean is a serial entrepreneur, having owned five different businesses, whereby his biggest success was taking his electronics company from 250000 to $8 million in revenue. His strengths come from uh, nearly two decades of studying communication, professional sales, and business, and of course, uh, incredible hard work. Uh, Sean has also helped four different organizations hit the eight-figure mark, and he is relentlessly focused on helping business owners solve the revenue problem so that they can experience the growth and success that they deserve. Sean, Thank you for being here and welcome. Zolfikar, I'm so pleased and honored to be here on your podcast. I'm uh, really excited to see uh, what, where this conversation goes. I, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here. Brilliant. And you know, just to kick things off then, I mean, give us a very quick rundown about your history and how you got started with your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, yeah. So I'll just jump into my story. Please stop me as I go through because I'm sure there's going to be some things you're just like, wait a minute, that happened? Yeah. So um, let's go back 20 years. So just rewind the clock about 20 years ago. And I came, uh, I was finishing university. And as I came out of university, I I only had one question on my mind. And, and I figured the only person that I looked up to and I trusted the most was my dad, my dad. So I called my dad on the phone and I said, hey, dad, I'm coming up to the end of my college career here. Um, how do I make a lot of money? That's the only question I had on my mind. I was like, I want to make a lot of money. Like, how do you do it? Uh, and of course, I'd ask somebody who I'd seen, you know, I grew up pushing a broom in his shop. Uh, I started at seven years old, just watching him. And I learned this, a lot of great life lessons. And at the, at what he said to me, he's like, look, you've got three choices. And I thought, great. What are these choices? Well, are, are you a CEO? He asks me. And I said, eh, I'm 21, 22 years old. I don't know much. Like, no, I'm not a CEO. Okay. That one's out. Are you an entertainer? Mm, well, I can't dance or I can't rap. I can't sing. I, I don't think I'm an entertainer either. So that one was out. And he said, well, then you only got one other choice. You better go be a sales guy. It's like, great. That's what I got to be. So I took a job as a sales guy selling commodities like aluminum extrusion and steel and sheet metal and some other really random stuff um, in, a, in a business to business capacity. And I sucked. I was literally the worst. Like, I was so bad, right? And um, here, here was my, here, I just, to prove this to you, for six weeks, because that's like a month and a half. Okay, think about this. You take a job, first brand new job, new boss, new everything. You go in there. For six weeks, I was calling 40 to 80 people per day. Wow. And I booked zero, wow. yeah, zero okay. appointments. Wow. Right? Right. It wasn't from okay. a lack of effort. And here's what, <laughs> here's what really pissed me off because always growing up, I was always kind of in the upper half of most of the sports teams that I played on. I had a full ride to play baseball in college and I came out and it was like, I was the worst. And I was like, this and, and really was that a commission based job or was yeah, it? it, was, it, was, it was, uh, there was a small base and then okay. there was a commission. Yeah. Mostly okay. commission. And it was actually 
there's kind of three ways to pay sales pros, but um, it was one where we where basically you get this like non-repaid draw move until your commissions exceed and then the base goes away. That was the plan that I was on. <laughs> um, and so and so I sucked and I was horrible. And my boss came to me at the end of six weeks and he says, look, Sean, figure this out or next week I'm going to have to fire you. And I was right. like, oh, so I go home, pick up the phone. First thing, dad, like, how do you do this? I'm failing at it. I hate it. It's miserable. I don't like it. He says, it's so profound go to the library and read a book. And I was like, oh, that's great advice. So I go to the library and I picked up a Tom Hopkins book and I start leafing through it. And as I was reading, I remember, I was like, whoa, this is profound. I've never heard this stuff before. And so then I was like, this is interesting. So I go back on Monday, I pick up my phone and the first call that I make, I start having this great conversation and I use this little tactic out of the book to book an appointment and I booked an appointment. And that moment in time, it's like six weeks of all that like back pressure feeling just flooded through my body. And there's this <laughs> intense momentum of like, this is awesome. Like this is, yeah. And so, so that moment really shaped my, my life and my career of, of where I was going to go. And I realized at that moment, like, I don't know how, I didn't have any idea how I was going to do this, but I needed to master this thing that we call communication. So let's fast forward now about 15 years. Um, my wife and I had spent about 500,000 us in just our personal education to get really oh. good, really good at selling, really good at communication. I learned things like body language, NLP, neuroscience of selling, like everything I've, you know, seminar, I went to it book. I bought it coach. I probably hired that person. Right. I've had lunch and, and sat with a lot, like all the greats. Um, and so, so I got pretty good at sales. I started making quite a bit of commissions. I got to a good place. And then all of a sudden, I wanted to do my own business. So I cashed in everything that I had. Um, I had a couple houses and some other. I just sold everything. I ended up buying 47% um, of that electronics company that you mentioned in my intro. Thank you. That was a wonderful intro, by the way. And um, I, I, I came to Las Vegas. So I moved from Colorado to Las Vegas. And, and this is where I am now. And during this whole run, what um, I, I started with about seven people and I just known that I knew the sales thing now and I had systems and stuff. So that's how I was able to grow from seven to 110 because I just went on a tear to find new business and uh, seven people to 110 people, excuse me. Um, and then our revenue spiked from 250,000 to eight and a half million. Um, and I was serving business to government. So I was like companies like Lockheed Martin, Raytheon's, uh, Boeing's of the world's, those mm -hmm. were some of my clients. And, and, um, what happened after about four years, we were, we were crushing it. I actually had developed this, uh, rep network of sales pros across the nation. So 1,027 people were actually reporting to me. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a mid-sized biz. Yeah. Um, and and I was working with Lockheed Martin in California. And I remember we were, I had a team full of these really brilliant engineers and we were designing this like cryogenic laser guidance system that would mm -hmm. set on a tank. It was really cool, fascinating, high-tech stuff that I knew nothing really about, but I just was a connector. And my business partner calls me and he says like, yo, come back. There's an emergency. It's like, oh my gosh. So I, I, I cut the trip and I go back I walk into his office and he has a guy sitting in his chair. And he says, Sean, I just you know, like sit down. You're going to need to be braced when you hear this. And I was like, what, what's happening? And he looks at me and he says, I just sold the company to that guy. And what? I was like, wait, <laughs> what you yeah, like in less than two weeks, in less than two weeks, he sold an eight and a half million dollar company to a guy sitting next to me. Like, do you know the emotions that flooded my, I was angry. I was frustrated. I was mad. I was confused. I was concerned. I was worried. Like every emotion you could think of was just like, 
I was like, I'm freaking out. And so at that point, I, I got really upset, um, as you can imagine, because mm. I, I mean, I built the whole thing with like my blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. And so I went into a deep, dark place at the bottom of about every alcohol bottle in Las Vegas, mm. actually, is where I was. And that was about the time that I met my wife. And so thank goodness, uh, she's like my savior. She kind of helped me, not a savior, but she just led me to a better path. And she kind of pulled me out and she said, look, don't do that. Go do something with your life. So I took a job selling roofing material in Nevada of all places. It's the desert, right? Like it doesn't rain much here. Uh, however, uh, but I, I started breaking like all the company companies, big company, like 67 year old company. I broke all the sales records in the first couple of years there and it was in roofing. And so what I was working with was these roofing contractors. I'd sell the material, the contractors would put it on and I would manage that. And, um, I realized that these roofing contractors would like always cut corners or they would cheat this one thing here, or use this material from another project. And it was like lie, cheat and steal is not my game. I'm, I'm way more ethical than that. So I just said, this is not for me. I'm out. And at that time it was about five years ago. My wife happened to see a Facebook advertisement. And um, so I, I was like, okay, show me. She's like, you got to see this. So I saw this little 19 year old kid bumping around on the beach with no shirt on saying, I just made all this money online. And I knew when I saw that, I was like, if that little pipsqueak can do it, like I can do it too, right? That's what I thought. And so we went down this rabbit hole into uh, this little system that they were selling. And on the back end of it, there was a multi-level marketing MLM direct selling company in medical grade water systems for home use. So it's mm -hmm. like a coffee machine. It sits on your countertop and it provides you very high alkalized water, alkaline with electricity included. It's a pretty cool thing. And I love the product, still got it, use it, whatever. However, since I knew the sales piece and we had this now is like my intro to marketing and I'm like, oh man, never knew marketing before, just knew sales. And what we did is we took his little system and we ended up building a downline. Okay. So the product was 10,500 that we were selling. That's the price point. And we ended up um, building a downline of 2,500 people that invested into that. Mm -hmm. And we also built this um, audience of around 300,000. So at this time we were kind of becoming these micro influencers in the online space and um, all these people came back to us and they said, Sean, Melissa, Chris is our business partner. And Melissa is my wife. Um, your software sucks. You need to fix it. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like wait, we're just doing this thing here. No, no, no. You need something for your tribe that you started to build. Okay, cool. So we went off and said, what do we got to do? We got to build a software company. And that's where this award right there came from. Um, we launched our very first software uh, platform. Uh, we did a million dollars in just over 12 months with it on a $99 offer. On the back end, we sold about $12 million worth wow. of product. During this time, we're being coached directly by Russell Brunson. We've right. been in his inner, yeah. So we've been in his inner circle for several years now. And he was watching our whole journey um, over the past like three, four, five years. And we go into one of these sessions with him at the inner circle groups that he connects with everybody in his mastermind. <laughs> um, and we get on stage and we start telling our journey and everybody's like, yeah, this is so great. And then they're crying about the hard spots that we got into. And eventually he gets up and he says, Sean, he's like, in all respect, um, I've lived the life that you've been living right now. I've lived it for five years. And here's what I'm going to tell you. This is going to hurt. He said, you hate your lifestyle. 
because I was living a life of alkalized water from that machine, Del Taco and coffee. Like that was it. Right. Like, and I, it was terrible. And, um, he said, you need to kill your baby. Like you need to just like end the company, sell the software because it's not making you happy because we were running basically that micro influencing piece and the software company was just not working. And what he said to us, he's like, you guys are kind of like level 10 people doing a level two thing. And I was mm. like, oh, that one hit me pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, how do you kill your baby? He said, kill your baby is like, well, how do you kill a company that's making seven figures? It's like, because the lifestyle, like most people say, oh, if I could get to a million dollars, it'd be great. But like what people don't see is the lifestyle or the poor lifestyle that it can create, which I was in burnout alley. And so it took us a year to figure out how to sell the software company. We ended up selling it. And during that time, we went to one of our other coaches, Alex Sharfin, and he said, well, what are you guys good at? And we said, we're pretty good at sales. He said, okay, uh, all these online entrepreneurs suck at sales. You should go talk to them. And I was like, great. So we lined up about 40 or 50 of them. We started speaking with each one of them. No intent to sell, just marketing research. And before we got to the end of these 40 or 50 people, there was five of them saying, hey, I'm not getting off the phone until you, you sign up with me because we suck at sales when you figure this out. So that's kind of spooled up our, our high ticket consulting agency. Um, and so we have clients now, even to this day, uh, that pay us anywhere between 10 and 30 grand a month kind of numbers for us to help hire on board and train sales forces, sales teams in their world, build sales ecosystems and show, you, show them how that works. Here's what I realized in that journey, because we served dozens of those people and had big success with actually closing more deals for them. But it wasn't so much the fact that the entrepreneur couldn't build a sales team. It wasn't so fact much that the entrepreneur couldn't like close the deals. But where the big transformation was happening that we're seeing over and over in our high ticket stuff was giving them this like growth system. And what I mean by growth system is a system that's nearly automatic that consistently puts the right people on a calendar for either the entrepreneur or the sales pro so that they can actually not have to freak out about doing the prospecting work and they could just be in the great conversation and start conversions going up. And so when we put this growth, because we, we tested this thousands and thousands of conversations ourselves, we'd proved it. This is the system we use to grow for those businesses into that like eight figure range. And so when we, when we started seeing this trend of it was the transformation they needed is just that like grow system on the front, Chris and myself said, Oh, Oh, that's the big aha. Like we got to go figure out how to serve the masses with that piece, because if we can just put that piece in business, here's what's going to happen. People are going to start actually making a bigger impact. They're going to start having a transformation with their business and their journey. And then it's going to lead into, Hey, how do I get better at the sales conversation, which is our superpower. So we thought that would be perfect. Let's build a mastermind around that. And so we started building a, a tribe community, a network of the best of the best movers of shakers of the online space, literally focused on making a big impact. And so we started building this tribe and literally we, um, it, we've had huge success when we launched it. We did our first six figures in just six weeks. Oh. And um, it's, it's just been just smashing it ever since then. And it's always because of how we structured and built something that has served us in almost every business that we've ever been. And so here I stand as kind of the, you know, that's, that's what I've done. That's where I'm at. And, and so now I'm most excited about being able to help a lot of other people that it might be in that spot of like, how do you transform a company into something that becomes a sales machine and just keeps cranking? Brilliant. Absolutely love that. I mean, that's a fantastic story. And 
I don't even know where to start to <laughs> unravel that, but um, I suppose the starting point then would be, you know, tell us a little bit about your mindset then, because obviously mindset is a big thing in, in business and especially with sales. And uh, I know a lot of people that I speak to, they, they might be good at what they do, but they absolutely suck at sales. Uh, and it's almost always a mindset issue. Um, mm. For yourself, you know, what was your mindset like? Obviously, talk to us about that journey when, when you weren't making sales. Like people these days will not go six weeks without making sales. So what was your mindset like in that period? And, you know, what was driving you forward every single day? And, you know, for somebody who's going through something like that right now, what can they cling on to to keep going before they see some uh, success? Yeah, so great question. I love that question so much. And so like when I was in that place, when I wasn't making sales, um, you know, when I first started, and I've had several instances where I wasn't making sales and something that I was selling at the time. But when I first started, I remember... Um, I, I was just full of gumption and conviction or, and, and just like, I, I wanted to do good. I just came out of college. It's like, I'm just going to make this work. And so I had that little bit of a drive. And, and once upon a time, somebody asked me, he said, Sean, what's the one thing that you could say, if you could give this to somebody, they'd be like a, a really great sales professional. And I didn't, I, I thought about it for a long time and I came back to him and I said, actually, there's three things. I said, the first thing is, is you got to have conviction. You got to have conviction in what you're doing and why you're doing it. And so for the person out there that maybe in that slump or maybe in that place where the head's not where they need to be, maybe they're feeling like imposter syndrome or anything else like this is like, check yourself, like understand, are you truly convicted about the product or the service that you're bringing to a marketplace? Does it solve the problem that you are interested in solving is a big question that you need to answer for yourself. And if you're not convicted about the fact that your product or service can actually deliver a result to somebody then you got to either change the product or service or sell yourself on your own idea first. So becoming convicted is like literally the move. And so for me, my conviction moment came when that six weeks of back pressure was released and I booked an appointment. And I remember that specifically. And so if you don't have conviction, that was always the first thing. It's like, you got to be convicted about what you sell. If you're not, it's not going to work and you probably won't sell it to anybody else. The second thing that I recognized was persistence. Right. You heard my story is kind of up then way down and then up and then down and up and down. It's like if you consistently keep getting hit in the face and knocked down, it's that persistence or the ability to just get back up one more time. Then you get punched in the face and knocked down. So that would be the second thing that I would say. And so throughout my journey, I had a lot of that persistent like, OK, I'm just going to master communication. This sucks right now, but I could keep going. And then the third thing was consistency. You got to continue to have bat at bats at the plate. A lot of people that I coach and I've coached thousands of entrepreneurs, online agency owners and coaches and consultants on these people. What I find is if they don't have opportunity to talk to on a regular basis, the imposter syndrome creeps in the voice in the head gets way louder. And you're like, eh, am I really giving, you know, like value? Am I really actually doing the thing? And what I found is if you can consistently just have better conversations more often, that's the secret. So if you're in that place, the best one single thing, if you hear anything at all from me today is this, make a point to start three to five new conversations per day, just book it in your calendar and start three to five new conversations a day with people who potentially you had to have a problem that you can solve with your product or service. Excellent. Um, so how do you do that then? So say somebody's struggling right now, they, they don't have prospects. How do they start filling their pipeline? I mean, what's your 
recommendation to get that system up and running? And then how do you boost that system? Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, great question again. So, so if you, and again, literally like you got to understand there's, there's these things called um, emotional trigger words. Okay. So there's a bunch of them like um, struggle, worry, concern, annoyed. Um, I actually used a, an acronym, like the little thing that flies around in the air, WASP, W-A-S-P. So if you wrote down WASP up and down on your piece of paper, if you're listening to me taking notes, the first one's going to be worried about. Second one's going to be annoyed by. Third one's going to be struggling with. And the fourth one's going to be pissed off because. And so if you're looking to just start that conversation, one of the best things you can do is use these emotional trigger words in front of a possible indicator of a problem that you solve for people. So literally like going into a social media environment, whether it be LinkedIn or Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or whatever, right? Statistically proven right now, Facebook is producing kind of the biggest results. That's why we play there. We've made tens of millions of dollars there. So it's like, we always start on Facebook and then it's an and strategy. So for us, we'd go to Facebook and I'd reach, I would look and research people's profiles. So spend literally, if you need three to five conversations, go find 10 people that you think might be a fit and then whittle that down to those three to five every day. So if you find 10, it might take you 15 minutes to find 10 people. It might take you another two or three minutes to narrow that down to those three to five. And then you just got to hit on something. It's like, hey, I noticed this about your profile. I'm curious, are you ever worried about insert whatever that might be that you mm -hmm. can solve? Now that'll start a conversation and then you can go from there and say, yeah, actually I do have that problem or no, I don't have that problem. Now I just use the W. So if they come back saying, no, I don't have that. Well, okay. Are you, are, are you annoyed that this might be happening in your business? Are you struggling that this is going on or, or maybe are you pissed off that that's happening? And all of a sudden people are like, well, yeah, that one. Okay, great. Well, tell me a little bit more about that. And now we've taken it from like a business indicator problem into what I call the second level of emotional impact is called business impact. And so it's like, tell me more about that. Like, I don't understand. And then when you get a little bit further in the conversation, you say, great, before we keep going in messenger, here's what I recommend. Let's just jump on a quick call. Cause I think you have a problem that I can solve. Let me ask you some questions. And then that will drop right onto your calendar with a link. And now you've got it right. And if you do that over and over, um, you'll get to a place where you'll have a lot of opportunity on your calendar. And the reason for doing this might not be so much for sales. That will be a byproduct, but it's going to lower that, that voice, that pressure in your head of the imposter syndrome leaking in because you know, people are actually responding to you and you have activity going. It's like, it's like um, you always want fresh blood, so to speak in the system, because if blood gets dry, it sucks. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, I mean, I, I, what I love about that is uh, normally when I, I ask this question, or I, I go on the courses and the programs, they, they all literally say the same thing in different words, which is going to Facebook groups and every day just post value, 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 and then add whoever likes and then just approach that person who likes your comment. But this is just going straight for it. And, and this is more likely to generate results faster. Um, I mean, is this what you would recommend people do to get the quickest well i, I think I, so yeah so it's so a great question follow up i'll add to that i think i think the move these days is is building a movement right mm -hmm. you need to if you want to make a move you got to build a movement and yeah. so how do you build a movement you got to have a place where your tribe can congregate now whether that's in a in in some of your own facebook group or whatever and so what we always talk about is what is the journey that your prospect should go through in, in order to become a user or product uh, buyer of whatever it is that you're selling. 
And so for us, we choose Facebook groups. Why? Because right now we know in the marketplace, it's the best place and the easiest way to communicate with mass people that are interested in what you're doing in the first place. So our system, our growth system, what we kind of teach in our mastermind is, is here's this word track that we've proven thousands of times over and we put it in your business and it goes from cold outreach. So we watch people, we watch movers and shakers who we believe are movers and shakers for maybe one or two months. And then we send them an invite into our group. Very, very not casual. Like, Hey, we have this group. It, it rallies around this one topic. Um, I would love to add you cause I think you'd be a benefit or you'd be able to add that value in our group. Are you interested? And it's just a very simple, are you interested? And if people say yes, then we say, great, here's the link, take action. Cause I'm looking for action takers. And so once they take action and get in my group, then now we have a system that automatically will put them onto our calendar. How does that work? Well, psychologists and experts have proven that it takes kind of seven to 12 touches for somebody to lower their um, barriers, sales resistance and increase their sales acceptance. So if you can lower the resistance by touch points, by what we call this nurture concept, then all of a sudden now they're like, oh yeah, I'll take a call with you. I'll, I'll understand. I'm like, I'll, I'm okay with this. I've, I've heard from you a couple of times. And so that's really where it's at. So we drive from cold outreach into our group, onto our calendar. And then from the calendar, we either do one or two things. If we can help them solve the problem that we solve, we'll have that conversation. And if we can't, we'll either refer them to somebody who can solve a problem that we've discovered during the call, or uh, we'll connect them with somebody that's either that we know that can, can work with them as a client capacity or whatever else have you. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. So obviously we're going through a pandemic right now and a lot of people are stressing and struggling on, on their own fire now. For the person who doesn't have a group and he's got very little following or he or she, they've got very little following on Facebook or on the other social media platforms. They've never really put out any content, um, but they need to make some cash pretty fast. What steps should they be taking maybe for 30 days or 60 days to get that first sale and just to get the ball rolling and then building from there? Uh, basically exactly everything that I just said. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a simpleton, right? So I believe, uh, Zulfikar, I believe that if you show me a man and it even says it in think and grow rich, I actually read that book every single December I have for the last 12 years of my life because it's really impactful. And I just remember reading this part in the book where it was, if you show me a man who, or a woman who's willing to reach out and talk to three to five new people every day, I'll show you someone who's going to be successful. And literally by sheer volume of starting to get into those conversations and asking questions, what will happen is a couple of things. Number one, after you've had about 20, 30 of these conversations, you're going to start to develop a voice. Number two, you're going to start hearing trends or watching words come through the screen of trends of what people are actually struggling with. Guess what? Now those things are the things that you have to figure out how to solve or, you know, for them with your product or service. And so just simply starting the reach out process every single day and, and growing this nurture. See, look, um, Alex Starfin taught me this. He said, there's five core functions of every business. And now if let's see if we agree on this self car. So the first one's going to be lead gen lead generation. A lot of companies out there that will do lead gen for you. Right. Um, and, and they can do it through paid ads or all the other stuff that they do. Second bucket is lead nurture. 
meaning once you got a lead, what do you do with that person? The third bucket is conversion. So you got to get them, you know, over the line. The fourth bucket is uh, fulfillment and delivery of um, product or service to client. And then the last one is retention and resale. So if we, we agree that's the five core functions of business, pretty standard, straightforward. So Russell Brunson, when he came on the, on the big screen and he literally developed this whole world of sales funnels, what did he do? Well, I personally believe, and it's been you know repeated to me several times, is what he did is he solved the quick conversion problem with the sales funnel. And then he said, hey, just use paid ads, drive eyeballs to this conversion page. Don't worry about the nurture thing because your sales copy should probably close somebody, right? And so there was this void that was created. Thank you, Russell, for creating a void and actually solving a big problem at scale for a lot of people. But he gave us this little niche of something that we've been practicing for now 20 years and getting really good at was this nurture conversation. And it always goes back to those seven to 12 touches. Here's what I will tell you. If you have a sales team or you're an entrepreneur doing sales, I bet if you do decide to go prospecting, most people will start the initial reach out, but then they'll just drop it off the back end of the table. Has that ever happened to you? Look, you're smiling. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so even then it's like, okay, I'll just start three to five new conversations. Well, it's like you start three to five today and then tomorrow you start three to five new ones. And then the next day you do it again. What about the day, the first day, like those three to five, you got to touch them a couple more times through this process to get them indoctrinated into your world to make sure that you can actually solve a problem. And that's where I feel like most people fall down is in that second bucket. And so like most agency owners and consultants and coaches and all these people that we work with, um, at a very high level, they always have that problem. So what would you recommend? So if, say, for example, you send somebody a, a call outreach message, they don't respond. How many times should you follow up before you start to get annoying or, you know, or you should start going elsewhere to save us? Um, yeah. So, so I always believe in a three strike rule, right? So if somebody uh, strikes out, you know, I played baseball in college. So it's like, that's why the, the rules come to me, but it's like three strikes and you're out kind of a thing. Um, if, if you reach out once and there's some interest and then you reach out again and there's no interest and then you reach out a third time and you just get ghosted or it goes dark to me, I know that there's 2 billion users just on Facebook. And then who knows what Instagram and all these other platforms, like there's so many people out there. Like if somebody doesn't want to be, here's, here's a story I'll share. So, so imagine you are, uh, um, you're, you're flying a helicopter now. Okay. You're with me. You're flying a helicopter and we're coming around and there's this flood and your job as a helicopter pilot is to save the people that are in the flood. And so you see these people that are on like on this house and the house collapses and now they're on the water and you're in the helicopter and you kind of hover down over top of them and you got your team in your helicopter and you're like, go, go, go get the people. And so two of your guys jump out of the helicopter and they go down in the water. Now they're in the water and they're waiting. And you're like, Hey guys, we're over here. We can help you. You have a choice. There are going to be some people that fell off that house into the water that are going to start swimming like hell to get towards you. Right. And then there's are going to be other people like, Oh, save me, save me. I'm floating down the river. Which one do you want to work with? The guy that's swimming towards you. Guess what? He's going to be the better pick. Why? Because he believes in self-preservation. And the same concept applies when it comes to prospecting is like, look, if, if you reach out to somebody and they're not swimming towards you or raising your hand, like who cares? Just move on. Right. You don't have the problem that you don't, you can't solve the problem that they have right now. Right. Brilliant. Brilliant. And, and, you know, we need, we need to touch up on this because it's uh, such a problem for so many people is, they still see sales as a dirty word, as a, 
it's something which is deplorable, um, which annoys people. Like, what do you say to those people to change their mindset and, and make them understand that sales is, in fact, the lifeblood of every business? Well, I would challenge their mindset by saying this or asking this question, like, what is the oldest profession on earth? Can you tell me? I couldn't tell you, no. What is it? Sales. Sales. Okay. A lot of people say, a lot of people say it's prostitution, but <laughs> Even in that conversation of prostitution way back in the day, somebody was selling somebody there, right? Yes. So if people think sales is a bad thing, like, I'm sorry, but it's been the oldest profession since forever. And so maybe it's just you had a bad experience. Let's talk about that. Did you go to the car lot and you had some guy that was super sleazy on you? Did you go into Best Buy and there was some guy just nagging on you? Like, what gave you that experience? Did you hear somebody in your family have a bad experience and that gave you that head trash? Like, where did it come from? Because let's figure that out. Because once you can realize where the root of the problem is about your mindset around sales, that's where you start. Figure out where it came from, squash it and move forward. And just understand that businesses don't move forward without sales. Businesses don't move forward without prospecting systems. They just don't, right? And so I know um, because of experience and all of these other people that have helped have this massive transformation in their journey of like when you put the right systems into a business of prospecting and then having a great sales conversation, businesses just grow. Like that's all they do. And so if that's what people want to do with their business, then they need to get over that head trash. Excellent. And um, talk to us a little bit about that great conversation. So do you need a script? And secondly, what makes a great sales conversation with, without it sounding like a sales pitch? Yeah, Zulfikar, I, I just got to commend you on your questioning, man. Your questions are epic, dude. Great job. You've been doing this for a while. You're obviously a pro at it. Thank so yeah. um, sales conversation, I, I, I teach framework. Um, I teach framework for sales combo because I don't believe in scripts. I don't believe you can give somebody a script and they can make it sound genuine. Now there's a big difference before we get into the framework. Let's talk about authentic versus genuine, because I think those two words are inter interwoven too often. And so let's talk about what's authentic, what's genuine. So let's talk about Jay-Z for a second, okay? Great example. If you go to a Jay-Z concert, you wanna see what you think is authentic Jay-Z coming out on stage and just crushing it with his words and his dance moves and whatever he does. But you don't really want the authentic Jay-Z, you want the genuine Jay-Z, the one that as, actually acts that way. Because a lot of the time if Jay-Z's in the back of the stage and he's like, man, this just happened in my world today. I wrecked my car. I got a speeding ticket. Beyonce is having a tiff with me. And now I have to go perform. You don't want to see that Jay-Z on the stage, do you? No, that's the authentic Jay-Z. The genuine one says, look, I'm going to compartmentalize that part of my life for a minute. I'm going to go be the genuine guy that I got to be. That's the version that you want to be. So when it comes to, and so like script, if you give someone a script, it's, it's, you get more of that. Oh, it's like, it, it sound it's, it's canned, right? It sucks. And so I believe in what we call scriptless selling with framework. So we have seven stages of every sales call. First one is connection. Um, connection is just about getting into bond and rapport with somebody and staying on that line for the whole sales conversation. Right. And you know, Zofkar, you've had so many conversations, you know, when you fall out of rapport, people's eyes glaze over, they're on their computer and zoom. They're looking at somebody else typing something. They look down, they're texting. You've fallen out of rapport, right? So if that ever happens in a conversation, the way to do it is just do some sort of a pattern interrupt. 
I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. Like, um, did you catch that last point? All of a sudden they're like, what? Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Okay, cool. You got their attention back. You're back in bond and rapport. Okay. So I call it the connection phase, the connection stages. So like you have to, and, and people say, oh, there's a nice sailfish on your wall. Let's talk about it. And that's what most people think bonding is. That's not the, that's not the case. Here's the secret. When it comes to the connection stage of the call, mirror and match the speed that somebody's talking to you and the volume that they talk and the inflection that they use. So if they're quiet, you want to be quiet too. So while we're on this point then, so say we're on a sales call, like this was a sales call right now, because yeah. I'm trying to look into the camera to keep my eye level as if I'm looking at the views. Now I can't see you. How do I mirror and match your actions when I can't exactly see what you're doing? So beautiful question. And the answer is the first 90 seconds only is what all that matters because the neuroscience of sales says this. It says, if you can mirror and match somebody's actions for the first 90 seconds, it's a minute and a half of any sales call. I did it with you when I, I do it automatically with every single person I talk to. I did it with you for the first 90 seconds of our call. And instantly this whole conversation is awesome because we've been in bond and rapport the whole time, right? And it only took me getting in the same state as you are, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you think to yourself, oh man, like this guy's just like me. This is going to be a fun conversation. That's probably what you thought. And then now it's a fun conversation. See what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's that, that, that stage one of a sales call is just the connect part is just mirror and match for the first 90 seconds of any call. And then you're set. So the second part of the second stage is actually what we call setting the rules of the game. So think for a second about, um, like an umpire that walk, are you like, if you, are you familiar with baseball? I assume. Yeah. Maybe this happens in cricket. You'll have to tell me um, before the game begins, you've got the umpire um, that stands behind the wickets yeah. and the two ta captains or the coaches come and they speak with the umpire yes. and the umpire says, all right, guys, listen, we're going to have a great game today. Um, uh, a six is over the fence over here and over here and, and, and a four is over the rope. And if it goes through that gate, it's out of bounds. It doesn't count. And this is all the other rules of the game. Do we both agree this is the right fit? Mm -hmm. And the coaches or the captains are saying, yes, that's right. Perfect. We need to do the same thing in every single sales call. Why? Because it gives the prospect relief mm -hmm. and permission and the clarity of what's going to actually be taking place on the sales call. So I use the analogy game, right? Grateful, ask, me, end. Here's how it works. Hey, Zulfikar, I'm super grateful for having this conversation today with you. Um, today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a few questions, make sure that you have a problem that I might be able to solve. I'm sure you're going to have some questions for me. And then at the end, one of two things is going to happen. We're either going to decide this is a great fit, or I'm going to refer you to somebody that's awesome that's going to be able to either help you or become a new client of yours. Does that sound like an okay agenda for today? Mm -hmm. And when you say that right after you're in bond and connect with somebody, they're like, this is awesome. I know exactly what we're going to do for the next 30, 40 minutes, right? How's this hitting you so far? Yeah, love it, love it, love it. Absolutely, carry on, carry on, don't stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so a uh, third stage is pain, right? So, so actually, let me just grab this um, for a second. I'm charge my computer before it dies. Um, so the third, the third stage is called pain. Mm -hmm. um, pain is, uh, there's really kind of five different um, buying emotions that any one person has. I'm going back into the neuroscience of sales. I hope this is okay, not too deep. Absolutely. Are we doing okay on time? Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. So, so what, what is pain, Sean? Great question. So there's, let me describe the buckets first and I'll kind of give you examples as we go through. So the first bucket is pain in the present. 
For example, if you're running an online business and your autoresponder stops sending messages or your buy link stops working for people to pay you through, that's pain now, mm -hmm. right? That's like, oh goodness, I got to go fix that. Otherwise there's going to be a problem. So that's the first one, pain in the present. Now all sales professionals and, and sales ascenders, that's kind of the tribe that we built, the sales ascenders, um, which is the next level, um, is focused on pain in the present. It's the most powerful um, reason for somebody to take action over the action threshold. The second one is pain in the future. What's the opportunity cost of you not taking action right now, Zulfikar? If I know I can get you 100 grand in the next two months, and if you don't move forward, you're only going to make 40, your opportunity cost is 60 grand if you don't take action with me today. That's pain in the future. Now, very, very compelling. A lot of people sell to this, and it works well. Not as well as pain in the present, but it does work better than um, the other ones. And then we move into the pleasure zone. The pleasure is towards pleasure because people are only motivated by either going away from pain or going towards pleasure. So we've done the two pains, which is away from pain. Now let's talk about towards pleasure. So you got pleasure in the present. Oh man, I'm going to go take this person out to lunch because I'm hungry. I got to feed my belly and I want to have a conversation with them right now. And it's going to be a lovely chat because I know this person's enlightened on a topic I want to learn about. That's pleasure in the present. Pleasure in the future is the next bucket. And that's going to be like, hey, the summer's coming. I want to go buy a boat because that's going to be fun for me. And then the last um, buying emotion that people have is curiosity. It does work, but it's not as powerful as the other four. So now if we know that all five collectively of those buying emotions equate to pain, our job as a sales professional is to ask questions around pain in the present. And so we focus on how do we find pain in the present? And we go back to those emotional trigger words that I shared earlier. And when we use those words, we can get into somebody's pain. Mm -hmm. And as we get into their pain, we recognize that there's three different levels of pain. So let me explain these real quick. The first one is a business indicator. Hey, my sales are, sl are sluggish. My, sl my sales are down. Tell me more about that, right? So we have a specific um, eight question series. We call them the magic eight. They're designed and built by psychologists to take somebody from a business indicator down into that third level of emotional impact. So let's talk about that for a sec. As we get through this questioning strategy, we go from, hey, my sales are, sl are, are sluggish right now. Okay, great. Tell me more is the first question. Uh, well, I'm, you know, like I'm just not getting, I'm not getting as many people over the line as I need to. Can you be more specific? Give me an example. Well, last week I only had two sales calls and this, this, and the next thing. Okay, cool. Um, how long has this been a problem? Give you a little bit of time. That's the next question. Literally, it will come up to, um, again, this, that time question is going to tell you pain in the present, pain in the future. That's what you're looking for. And if you can get it pain in the present, then you're in good shape. And then it's like, well, what have you tried to do to solve that? And now we're going into this clarity mode. And in, in my sales conversations, typically a lot of people say you got to add value in a call. I agree. You have to, but most people believe value is giving them their secret sauce. Like, here's how you do this. That's not necessarily true. Like Zulfikar, you back, think back to a time when somebody came to you and explained a question that you had in your mind better than you could explain it. Was that clarity? Was that value for you? Yeah. Totally. So if you can be the person that can describe the problem that they're having the best, again, neuroscience of sales says, if you can describe the problem, you can solve the problem. That's what people, they make that link. And so instantly, if you're the best at describing a problem they have, just by letting them air out their trash at you, mm -hmm. you win, mm -hmm. right? 
So now we've moved from, you know, just in a couple of questions, we moved into this now business impacts, like, okay, what have you tried to do? Did that work? How much does this cost you? Mm-hmm. Now we've gone from, it didn't work and it's now starting to cost them. Now they're going into their back pocket, pulling out their checkbook and saying, oh, it cost me this. This is where you transform from business impact. So it goes business indicator, business impact now into emotional, personal impact. So it's like, how much does this cost you? Oh man, how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate this. I haven't been able to solve my sales problem. And I'm still struggling with it. Shoot, man, that's really tough. Well, but you haven't given up trying to solve it, right? You're still trying to Yes. Okay. And now we've gotten to this place of, they know it's a problem. It hurts because they've talked about how much money they spent on it. They still haven't been able to solve it. They're talking to you because they think you might be able to solve it. You've just gone through that process psychologically. Now they're ready to buy something from you just because you described their problem. That's pain. And then from there, um, there's, I think there's two closes in every sales conversation. This is where we do the emotional close. There's an emotional close. There's a logical close. So the emotional close, just be like, hey, look, Soulful Car, I know I can solve that sales problem for you because I've done it every single day for the past 20 years for thousands of people. Um, But I just got to ask you a quick question. Like, am I someone that you think you could work with as your coach? And when they say yes, you've closed the deal in the middle of the sales combo. And that's totally non-traditional. It's totally different than anything you've probably ever heard, but it's the truth. Because now I know that we have a connected bond. You just said yes to me on an emotional level. And I say, great, let's just work out the rest of the deals. Let's talk about budget for a second. Like, and then you can switch from this nurturing parent mode into an adult to adult conversation. So you shift your emotional ego state and you start talking about, let's talk about your budget. Now you've probably invested in a product similar to this before. How'd you do it? What was that like? How much did you spend? What was the results? And as budget, 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 it's like, okay, when you make a decision like this, how do you do it? Who's involved? Where do you do it? So it goes pain, budget, buying process. And then literally the the, the logical close comes after that. Great. I know that we can solve your problem. And you said you wanted to work with me as your coach. We know where the money's coming from and we know how you make decisions. Is this something you think you want to do? That's the only close question you ever need. That's the close. Is this something you think you can do? And then they're either going to say yes and move forward, or they're going to give you an objection. And if they give you an objection, you just go back into that pain mode and figure that out. Like, is that really a deal breaker or not? And you just cycle through this over and over and over and eventually you close deals. Okay. So how many, how many objections would you go over before saying, okay, this is a dead end? Uh, well, if, if you can't solve the problem that they have that you know you solved, then it's a dead end early. I believe in a disqualification versus qualified. Every single sales conversation I go into, you're a dead ringer for who I work with. I have to prove to myself that you're not. And when you switch your mindset to come at it from that way, instead of I got to qualify you to see if you fit to work with me, mm-hmm. there's a, just a totally different era of like how the conversation goes. Right. And, and is that process the same for low ticket offers as well as really high ticket offers? Or is there maybe a two call stage for a, a higher ticket offering? Or, you know, would you do something different if it was, say, a, a 10, 15, 20 grand sales call versus a a $500, $1,000 sales call? Great question. So the answer to that one is depending on your sales cycle and your sales process. So there's two different things. Sales cycle is the time from cold until the time you close a deal. Mm -hmm. Okay. The timeline of how many days, weeks, months it takes, right? Um, The sales process is the journey that we talked about earlier of how you want to take your process uh, or your prospects or your clients through that. What's the journey? So if you know, for example, like um, we work with uh, Marley Jacks, she's got a media production company. She's one of our very, very first high ticket clients we ever got involved with um, a couple of years ago. 
and she was trying to sell um, a, a pretty expensive, you know, like one of her very high end done for you services around 50 grand. I think she does more now, not quite sure. Um, but she was trying to sell $50,000 in 20 minutes. And unfortunately, the cycle and the process didn't match. Right. So there was a mismatch. So like to answer that question uh, specifically, uh, we went with her and we said, listen, 50 grand, there's a price point break at about 10 grand. Typically, if, if, if something's over 10, it usually needs another like human to human touch. If it's less than 10 grand, you can usually do it through messenger or text or just words. Um, and, and so for 50 grand, we said, why don't you just do this part for a 15 minute, like quick first call, give them to do this one little piece of homework. And then we meet again on a second call and then you close that 50 grand. And when we just put that little piece into her world, she went from um, not being able to close anything for the past four months to doing a hundred thousand in revenue in two oh, weeks. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's, that's a great result. So talk to us a little bit more about your client results. And so first, you know, what, what characteristics would you say, uh, are the most relevant for a successful sales professional um, and for somebody who's got zero skills whatsoever what maybe one or two skills should they focus on to get really good at sales um, no one's going to like this answer but just take more at bats right because your personality and your flair is what people people buy people Right. And then once they buy a person, they just need to make sure the product's going to solve the problem they actually have. And then the person that's delivering it, that's where the wow and the magnet magnetism and all that other great stuff comes from. So if I were to say what, what's one or two things that, that somebody could put into their sales world that would literally truly help them a lot. I just go back to that one thing, just start having three to five conversations a day and learning very closely about what problems somebody has in the space that you might be in. So instead of going out and just starting to try to sell right away, rather go interview 40, 50 people about, hey, like we're, we're doing some research in the sales space. Uh, I, I'd be interested to just ask you a few questions because I, I, I look up to you. I feel like you're an innovator in, in that space where you're playing. And, and I just want to see if, if you're actually struggling with one or two of these problems. It's, there's no sales or nothing. I just want to learn a little bit. Could you, could you spare you know, 20 minutes so I could ask you 15 questions? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And literally you can get in there and start doing this interview and don't sell them anything. Just ask them questions about, do you struggle with this? Are you worried about that? Are you concerned this is happening? Is pissed off that this goes on your world? Just practicing that as an interview fashion. And what, what you're going to find is you'll develop your chops and you'll figure out the problems that they may or may not have. And then you go back and say, okay, my product solves this, this, and this. Now I'm just going to start focusing on this, this, and this. All of a sudden now all your marketing says, Hey, are you struggling with this, this, and this? Like I'm the expert at that. Let's have a conversation. And then that will drive into more at bats, which then you can start having a better conversation and then you can start closing more deals. Brilliant. Brilliant. And what are your views now of, of directly going straight for the cold call? Is that still an effective strategy? Um, and if so, how should you approach it? If you've never sent a message or anything, you're just going straight for the call. How should you open that conversation and go through the call? Um, so just like picking up, opening the phone book and starting to make phone yes. calls. Yes. About? 
So, so I always believe in the and strategy. Um, so I believe you got to find one method that works the best for you, whether it's starting in messenger into a phone call, or if it's opening the phone book and just banging phones, or if it's building a team that you got a, a appointment setter and then a closer or however you structure your sales stuff, um, that that's going to be determined on the method of going through. Now, if somebody's just going to pick up the constant, uh, the phone and start banging calls, um, what I would do is I would literally get in there and I would say, um, it's the elevator pitch, right? It's like, Hey, I'm a sales expert. I'm curious. Uh, are you struggling with this worried about that or, or concerned that this is happening in your world? I'm not saying I'm going to sell you anything. I just need to know if you have one of those problems. And in, in less than 30 seconds on the phone call, if you just open up, Hey, I'm Sean with, um, and, and I'm the master at, and clients come to me when they are struggling, worried, concerned, annoyed with, is this happening in your world? You can either get a yes, you can get a gatekeeper and figure out how to get through that person, or you can get a no. Okay. Don't put any emotion into it. Just understand those are the three outcomes. So how do you do that? So let's do that. How do you take away the emotion from, from the call? Because a lot of people, they, they, they might go through this process and they'll get deflated when they get the no. Um, and then they'll have a panic attack when somebody gets angry with them. How do you detract emotion from the call? And from the result. So um, mental sanity is a good thing. Um, I would say the, I, I said like cold calling like that, I would, you know, for some of the clients that we've helped do this, uh, what, what I would say is, is we set up a 52 minute block and 52 again, psychologically, like people break after 52 minutes, they can't keep that focus. But if you just know, Hey, I'm going in there, I'm going to make X dollars of or X calls. Um, this is my target and regardless of the outcome. So it's literally like setting a target. See, there's three things we call them the triple threat of what any sales professional can control in their self. The first one is your attitude. You can wake up in the morning and you can be happy or you cannot. It's your choice, right? Um, totally a choice. So you got to have a good attitude. Secondly, you got to take the right actions. So what I'm talking about is like, if I know my action is, is I need to bang X calls or I need to have X conversations, that is my action. And that's the stuff that I'm going to do. And then the last one is your ability to learn technique and your ability to track the right numbers. So it, we can control all three of those things. And if that's all we have to control, we know, like, I know that my, <clears throat> because my actions here are not getting the results that I want. And it's just statistically looking at data then I know my ability to learn something new has to come out and I have to go learn a new technique or a new flow or, or do something different. Or maybe I'm not tracking the right numbers. And, and literally that's just speed checking all the way through. So setting a block of time, doing a certain amount of action, and then understanding does that action produce the results that I want or does it not? And then just being subjective instead of saying, oh man, everyone keeps telling me no. Okay, great. Well, let's open up the numbers and look at them because the numbers will tell your story of where the system's broken. So yes, it does take volume to create sales results. However, the more technique and the more ability of tracking the right things you get better at, the less volume you need in order to be successful. Brilliant. And you know, the time's just flown by. Like I did have so many more questions, but I just want to wrap this up because obviously we're getting to the hour mark. Quickly explain to us what the, the, the Kaizen selling is. So I read a post of yours and it talked about the Kaizen selling. So just quickly explain that for, for the audience. Yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you for reading that article. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So Kaizen is a philosophy that I learned um, quite some time ago when I was actually running a um, manufacturing electronics company. And I wanted to test this idea of continuous improvement. And so the first test that I ever did 
was I lined up two uh, assembly lines and I had my best assembly person start and run the line as we'd been running it forever. And then I said, the test for the Kaizen is I'm going from, because Kaizen means um, continuous improvement. That's all it means is just like continually improving upon product process and everything else in your business. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take my one operator doing all actions to five operators doing all the actions, just, um, you know, choreographed. And so I built these little, the, the, like a five station thing. And I had one guy do all five stations and I had five people against that one person to see the quality, the output, the results that they could both create. And in that test, the results were the people that were, so basically the five people, they would get the, the bundle, they would do three movements and then they would check that and they'd pass that as a batch to the next person who their first task was then to check those three actions, do their three actions, pass it on. The next person checks their three actions, does their three actions and passes it on. And instead of one person doing all 20 actions and then moving to the end of the thing, what we found was the, the line with five people far exceeded in terms of time, in, time, in terms of quality and, and all of it just blew it away. And so for me, that was an eye-opening move to say, okay, look, like this was just a little split test. So Kaizen in a sales system is very similar. Like you have a flow, you have a process, you have a cycle, you know what it is. Your job is to speed check that on a regular basis, whether it be once a month, once a, once a quarter, whatever, and then see, is it producing the types of results compared to industry standards and benchmarks? Is it not? And if it's not, what could we test to improve it? And so every so often having a team huddle and meeting and just saying, listen, like this thing is doing this, which is good, but what if we could boost it by X percent? here's an option or an idea. And then you discuss it as a brain trust. And then you come to a formulation of a plan and then you test the plan. And if the plan beats the original test or benchmark, or if the plan beats the benchmark, then you switch into the new form and you just continue doing that over and over. And that's the Kaizen selling method. Yeah. Love it. Brilliant. And just a couple of quick more questions. So uh, earlier you said, obviously you've paid a lot for coaching and courses and, and obviously that was a a very high sum um, and one complaint that I hear a lot is well you've got the money for coaching I don't have the money for coaching so I'm never going to be that good so for people that don't have the money for coaching what can they do now to, to move forward without coaching and, and just start generating income and leveling up their life and, and their sales skills yeah, well, selfishly, I'd say uh, get an invite into our um, our Facebook group because we'll keep on coaching you. Um, we have a lot of really amazing free content, but that's the other thing I would say is like the world these days has so much great free content that's out there. You just got to go on online and find someone like you. I mean, like I, I could listen to you all day, man. Like at first I was like, what is this? Now I'm like, no, you really know your stuff. So, um, and, that, and that's it. So when you vibe with somebody, uh, listen to them. Um, what I will say is just start with free use something that will get you a result. Like in my case, I went to the library and I rented a book. I had so much debt and I was just in a bad place. Like people say, Oh, Sean, you have all this money. No, no. Like when I started, I was broke. I'm with you. I was in your shoes. What did I do? I went to the library and I started reading sales books. Like that's all I did. Like, it's just, again, it's the action. So it's like, my attitude was I got to become the best, right? Get the head trash out. Second was what's the action I can take to become the best. Well, I know every day I need to learn something and grow in communications bigger than sales. And so every single day, even to this day, like um, my routine in the morning, I always learn something, right? So you can learn stuff for free. And then when you start to earn some income, I would totally recommend hiring a coach. If you can't hire a coach quite yet, 
go to a seminar and that's it. Right. And just step your way into that learning because um, here's the biggest, the biggest impact that will make is it will collapse your time frame. Because if you, so, so for example, Zulfikar, you play with software all day. If you got into a new software that you had no idea, it's going to take you a while to get the result you're trying to look using that software, right? However, if you could go to the organization that built the software and said, look, I want to hire you for an hour of your time to show me the right buttons to click to get this result, guess what's going to happen? In an hour, instead of all that time, you're going to figure out in one hour how to get the result you're looking for. Which is the better play? Yes, it costs money. Yes, it's an investment. But the return... How much time did you save and what's your hour per, per hour cost? Because that number is going to far exceed anything else. If that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. So um, just to wrap up then, uh, obviously we'll wrap it now, but if you can just let, let us know who your ideal client is, what exactly you do for them and how can they find more information about your, where can they go to contact you? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so the, the best clients for us are somebody that sells stuff in the online space. I personally have always liked the high ticket stuff. Um, so I look for, you know, course creators that have a course that's 497 and above, 2000 above, 3000 and above. I like um, mastermind people that run masterminds are a brilliant fit. People that have software as a service, um, startups in that space, great spot for us. Um, agency owners, we've served dozens of them and watched their journey just explode. Um, and, um, so yeah, so if you're in the online space and you're a course creator, a coach or an agency owner or a consultant or a software as a service, um, those are usually the best categories that we can serve at the highest level. Um, it, most of the time, almost all the time we are business to business just because I believe the people that are selling B2B seem, seem to like level up and have, I'm not saying anything good or bad or different. I mean, I was in an MLM for a long time, but, um, and so, so yeah, B2B in that space. And then um, to, to contact us, it's very simple. Just go to our Facebook group, just go to Facebook groups and then look up sales ascenders inner circle and get yourself an invite. It's free. Uh, I go live Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday with what I call my high ticket tune-ups. It's a 10 minute or less snap of every single day of here's one thing to think about as you're going through your sales journey. Uh, we also do this really kick-ass member spotlight stuff. So if you have something that's really new and innovative and fresh, uh, we'll actually interview you on our platforms. We have quite a few. Uh, and then, yeah, we just have uh, beyond that, you know, we actually speak with every single person in our group. And that's totally non-traditional and different because look, we're actually using a Facebook group to create a dynamic and electric network. Brilliant, brilliant. And we will drop the link for that Facebook Facebook group below the uh, video here on YouTube and then on the podcast as well. Um, brilliant interview. I mean, I, I've really enjoyed this and you can always tell when you've enjoyed something when you don't realize how fast the, the hour's gone. Um, like I said, I did have so many more questions, but you know, maybe we'll save that for another day or another conversation. Sure. But yeah. I appreciate you coming here and sharing your insight. It's been wonderful. Uh, thank you. And then have you just got any final words of encouragement for people obviously going through a tough time right now? What would you say to them? Um, yeah, somebody asked me yesterday, I got interviewed yesterday and, and they asked me, they said, Sean, if, if you had to give yourself some advice in the past, what would you do? And I thought to myself, man, I'd probably go back to my 20 year old self. And I would tell, tell myself one, you know, a couple of things. Number first thing I tell them is I'd say, just know that everything's going to be all right because times are hard right now. And COVID's a real thing. And this pandemic's like nasty. And but just know that you will make it through and everything's going to be okay. 
That's the first thing that I would share with myself. Second thing I would share with myself is give yourself permission to play in your own lane, right? Figure out what your superpower is. If you're first just getting started in a new business, you're probably going to be wearing a lot of different hats and that's okay. It's okay. But just understand the focus needs to be, if I have all these hats, which are the one or two hats that are my power lane. And as you start to grow your business, just outsource those other seven or eight things. Because when you can get the right people in the right lanes, companies explode. And so if you're just sitting there thinking like, oh man, the world's on my shoulders, like it's okay. Everybody goes through that and just know you're, you're going to be just fine. Yeah, Brilliant. That's right. absolutely love it. Again, once again, thank you for being here, Sean. Uh, cool. And everybody else, thank you for joining us and we will see you in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot if you would please rate and write a review. Please also subscribe so you get notified anytime a new episode drops. Thank you for tuning in. Now go out and attack your Minotaur.